Talk Radio. Talk, talk, talk radio. You're listening to the UK Apologetics Library Podcast with your host, Miguel Hayworth. Um, we're going to continue looking at the, um, the Catholic Mass, the Eucharist. Um, from this point, it, we looked at the issue around faith in the belief that um, Rome wants you to accept that the presence of Christ within the Eucharist doesn't need to be applied to anything that has to be proved and they just want you to believe in these uh, traditions. Um, last week I quoted from a book by Reverend W. H.W. Deirdrin and this was pay, uh, published in May 1927. Now on page 132 he says transubstantiation without proof from scripture it will be said that the Romanists surely um, it would be said by the Romanists surely the words of Christ are sufficient evidence looking at the words institution um, let it be carefully noted that our Lord didn't simply say this is my body but this is my body broken in 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 and when he gave thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you in this do in remembrance of me the word given for you the phrase given for you was used now in Luke um, it actually goes into this in Luke 22 chapter 22 verse 19 and he says he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them saying this is my body which is given for you and again it says uh, this do in remembrance of me um, it wasn't the uh, body glorified but the sacrifice and, and so Christ was slain and so again uh, our Lord did not simply say this is my blood but rather he says this is my blood which is poured out for you in Luke chapter 22 verse 20 um, which says likewise also the cup after the supper saying this is the cup this cup is the new testament of my blood which is shed for you the new covenant in my blood this is the sign of the gospel redemption through the death of Christ so Jesus wasn't at that point present within the bread and the wine who was there when he uh, broke the bread he gave it to the disciples and he gave the cup of which had wine in it which also he gave to the disciples but they were uh, elements which were direct through our thoughts to the new covenant of grace and this was by the means of the sacrificial offering of the death of Christ um, of which the um, sacrament of the um the the uh the communion during the time he took the last supper and this was the patial feast and this was to be a perpetual remembrance nothing more nothing less now um there was another book called the rome of the early church and this was published in 1933 page 167 now this teaches concerned the primitive church that the 
existed prior to the birth of Roman Catholicism, which they state, and I'll, I'll quote this, it is, however, the commemoration of the Lord's Supper which we reach the heart of primitive worship. Unfortunately, we have um, not to grope in the dark to discover the truth about it. Superstition and tradition and gross error have overlaid its simplicity. But the in here in the catacombs, so near in the time of the upper chamber, that the light still permeate, permeates so near, and also in spirit, that the heavenly banquet, which is the guest on the earth, might be summoned at any moment. We find that there is no place for delusion or of deception, really, um, stands forth unadorned. Uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, a book which t was titled that, and it was written by an, uh, an author whose name was Lorraine Botner. On page 77 he writes, Still in, um, uh, in, this was published in 1970, and he writes how tradition nullifies the word of God. Now he says, Rome also nullifies and destroys the word. She maintains that alongside of the written word, there is also an unwritten word, an oral tradition, which was taught by Christ and the apostles by which is not we don't find in the Bible, rather was handed down generation after generation by the word of mouth. This unwritten word of God, it is said, comes to an expression in the pronouncements of the church councils and papal decrees. It takes presence over the written word and interprets it. The Pope, as God's personal representative on the earth, can legislate it for things additional to the Bible as the new situations arises. Page 78 says, Tradition, therefore, for hundreds of years, allegedly was transmitted by mere report. And it was this which Rome receives as an equal authority with the written word, but was so unreliable is the report that he has become a proverb that, story, um, that a story never loses its, its uh, carriage. In other words, a story seldom retains its original character without addition and exaggeration. In the New Testament itself, which reports the tradition, circulated a falsehood, showing how easy is, easily, oral tradition can become corrupted. How in particular instance did, had it become corrupted, even the, in the apostolic age? Now, there's a scripture in John chapter 21, verse 21 to 23. It says, Peter, seeing him says to Jesus, Lord, and what shall a man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me, that then, when this saying abroad among the brethren, that the disciples should not die, yet Jesus said. So, we have a quote for a uh, discussion between John and Jesus, but we um, we find that this 
whole teaching cannot be built on a church um, simply to um, say well the, the foundations are right there rather than it was it was built on an insecure foundation as oral tradition um, in page 169 in the book he says it is surprising how many Protestants do not understand the significance of the Roman Catholic Mass. Some think of it merely as church ritual and dismiss it as another form of the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, communion is a sacrament. That is far from being the case. For Protestants and Roman Catholics alike, the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, for Protestants it is the means of spiritual blessing and a memorial service that he rendered for us on Calvary. But for the Roman Catholic it's something different. For them it is also a sacrifice performed by the priest and it is a sacrificial element and is by far the most important. In fact the sacrifice of the mass is the central point of their worship. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that the mass is the same sacrifice as on Calvary. Now the Holy Catholic Mass, as they call it, nothing holy about it, but that's what they call it, is one and the same sacrifice with that the cross inasmuch as Christ, who offered himself uh, a bleeding victim on the cross to his Heavenly Father, continues to offer himself in an unbloody uh, manner on the altar through the mystery of his priests. Um, the Church of Rome holds that the Mass is a continuation of the sacrifice that Christ made on Calvary. That is, in reality, a re-crucifixion of our Lord over and over again, in an unbloody manner. Christ supposedly offered in sacrifice every time that the Mass is celebrated, that is, daily, in thousands of Roman Catholic churches around the world. The Mass, therefore, is not a memorial, but a ritual which is the bread and the wine is transformed um, into the literal body and blood of our Lord which is then offered as a true sacrifice in the sacrifice of the mass the Roman priest becomes an altar Christus, Christus that is another Christ in that he sacrifices the real Christ upon the altar and presents him for the salvation of the faithful and for the deliverance of souls in purgatory the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Christ in the form of a host, the considered, uh, the consecrated wafer, is in reality upon the altar that the high priests have him in their power and they hold him in their hands and carry him from place to place. So the so-called so sacrifice in the Mass certainly is not identical with and than on Calvary, regardless of what the priest may say. There is in the Mass no real Christ, no suffering, not bleeding, and the bloodless sacrifice is ineffectual. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, apart from the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin, in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. In John it says the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. Since admittedly there is no blood in the mass, it cannot be a sacrifice for sin. Let's also remember that Christ's final words on the cross 
concerning his sacrificial uh, atonement to purchase man's redemption. In John chapter 19 verse 30 it says, When Jesus therefore had received the, um, the vine, the vin- sorry, the, uh, I'll, I'll get the scripture up. It says, When Jesus therefore received the, the, the vine and he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He said it is finished. Now in Hebrews 10 verse 10 12 it says, By which we were all sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. Day after day the priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man... After he offered one sacrifice for sins and forever sat down at the right hand of God. Now a catechism of the Christian doctrine asked the question, What is the Holy Mass? And the answer was given. And this was the answer. He says, The Holy Mass is the sacrifice of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Really present in the altar under the appearance of blood, uh, under the appearance of bread and wine. And offered to God for the living and the dead. With regards to the power of the priests, the real body of Christ is that of faith. When they pronounce the words of the consecration, the incarnate God is obliged himself to obey and to come into their hands under the sacramental appearance of bread and wine. We are struck with wonder when we find that the obedience to the words of his priests, um, this is my body, uh, which uh, I think the Latin is hoc est corpus uh, meum. God himself descends on the altar and that he comes when they call him and as often as they call him then places him in their hands even that they should be his enemies. And after having come he remains entirely at their disposal and they move him as well as they place him from one place to another that they may if they wish shut him up in the tabernacle or expose him on the altar or carry him outside the church as they may if they choose to eat his flesh and give him for the food of others besides the power of the priest surpasses that of the blessed virgin because she cannot absolve a Catholic from even the small sin. And that was a quote from the dignities, Dignity and the Duty of the Priest. And this was a Catholic uh, publication. Um, the priest supposedly endowed with the power by the bishop at the time of his, unordi- uh, his ordination. To change the bread and the wine to the literal living body and the blood of Christ. Which is known as the host. And so... To bring him down upon the altar, that body, which is said to be complete in all its parts, down to the last eyelash and toenail, how can it exist in thousands of places in its full proportions? Even a small piece of bread is not explained, but taken on faith as a miracle. Then it must be supposed for a minute, minute that the moderate Roman Catholics do not literally believe that this jumble of medieval superstition that they have been taught from infancy uh, 
and that they do believe it is the very sternest doctrine of the church. It is one of the chief doctrines, if indeed it is not the chief doctrine upon which the church rests. Now page 183 on the book called Roman Catholicism states, uh, Roman Catholics who take up the church membership seriously and who in it must most in most cases have had it drilled into them from infancy that is the ma the mass a daily sacrifice offered for them find it hard to leave the roman church precisely because of in the protestant church they find no mass and they fear without the mass they will they will lose their salvation a devout roman catholic regards this matter of salvation through the mass far more seriously than most Protestants realise. It is not a secondary issue, it is a primary issue because it does affect the way Catholics believe the Gospel. So it can't be treated as such, as certain groups would like us to believe, such as when I spoke to Answers in Genesis, it's not to blacken their name, but they believe this is a secondary issue. Really, it's not for a Roman Catholic. Nor should it be regarded that way as a Protestant, because for a Catholic, it's a primary issue that ties in the Gospel. For us, it's not. Uh, it doesn't tie in with the Gospel. It's actually leading people away from the Gospel. And because it attacks the Gospel, it must be dealt with. Um, um, and this is why we love the Roman Catholics. We don't want to see them um, end up receiving another Gospel, or to the point where they're actually rejecting it, believing that the... Uh, of what the church teaches is gonna save them really it's it, it won't because it's based on a works based some foundation which is fault it's false it's a false foundation now the mass is an obligation for catholics they say it's it's rest solely on every individual roman catholic to attend mass it is um far a different thing from being the freedom uh, from the freedom that we as protestants enjoy in the matter of church tenets now the baltimore catechism states it is a mortal sin to hear the mass on a sunday or the holiday the holy day of obligation unless we are excused for a serious reason um, they also commit mortal sin who having under their charge hinder them from um, hearing the mass without in other words tend the mass without uh, a sufficient reason so that have a, a sufficient reason not to attend mass on that Sunday they're committing a mortal sin so they'll have to go to the confession uh, then the priest would give an absolution for the sin that they, they committed and they're expected to pray the Hail Marys um, in that uh, Mary would intervene which is again superstition she intervenes on their behalf and then she appeals to her son on behalf of that person um, now the Roman Catholic Catechism number 1129 says um the church affirms for believers that the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. The fruit of the sacramental life is that the spirit of adoption makes the faithful partakers of divine nature um, by uniting them 
in a living union with the only Son and Saviour. But the Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. After transubstantiation, the next doctrine uh, explained is that of the sacrifice of the Mass. Now according to the book, Our Brief Against Rome, which was published in 1907, page 99, considers the question, does the doctrine of the Mass follow after the doctrine of transubstantiation? So, I'll read you this quote, it says, that is so. Since it held um, the whole Antichrist body, blood, soul and divinity is present upon the altar of the words of consecration have been uttered by a duly ordained priest. It follows that the priest can and accurately does offer God the same victim as that which was suffered on the cross, even the Lamb of God, our Redeemer, upon behalf of our sins. This is made perfectly plain by the words used by the Council of Trent um, on the sacrifice of the Mass. Now these are as follows. Now they say, this is Trent, Christ instituted the new Passover himself is to be by the church uh, through priests uh, immolated under the visible signs in the divine sacrificial which is the which is performed in the mass the same Christ is contained and without blood is emolted who is uh, on the altar of the cross oft himself once with blood the manner of the offering alone being different again we confess that one and the same sacrifice which is performed in the mass which was offered on the cross as is one and the same victim viz Christ our Lord who is on the altar of the cross once only with the blood of offered himself whose sacrifice daily is a daily renewed is daily renewed in the Eucharist since the same Christ who was once offered himself by his blood on the um, altar of the cross is contained with the divine sacrifice which is celebrated in the mass and offered without blood the holy council teaches that the sacrifice which is really perpetuatory perpetuatory and made by christ himself for surely god is appeased by this oblation bestows grace and the gift of repentance and forgiveness all crimes and sins how great soever for the sacrifice which is now offered by the ministry of the priest is one and the same which the which christ then offered on the cross is only by the mode uh, of offering and is different and the fruits of that bloody um oblation are uh, plentifully enjoyed by the means of this unbloody one so untrue it is that the later um, <coughs> is that the later de derog um, derogates from the glory of the former 
Wherefore it's properly offered according to the apostolic tradition and not only for sins, punishments and sanctifications, um, satisfactions and other necessities of the living believers, but also for the dead in Christ who are not yet for, uh, thoroughly pure, uh, pure, they're not fully purified. I'm trying to get that one in there. Um, page 101, the recap on the Council of Trent. Canon 1 says, If anyone should affirm that a true and proper sacrifice is not offered to God in the Mass, and is nothing else is offered, save that Christ is given uh, us to eat, let him be anathema. Canon 3 says, If anyone should affirm that the sacrifice of the Mass is only one of the praise and thanks given, bore um, the commemoration of the sacrifice and accomplished on the cross, let him be anathema. Canon f uh, 5 says, If anyone should affirm that the most holy sacrifice of Christ finished on the cross is blasphemed by the sacrifice of the Mass, or that later de uh, de derogates from it, let him be anathema. And the word anathema means cursed. They put you under these curses. Um... I have quoted these uh, statements made by the Council of Trent at some length in order to show exactly what the Roman Catholic Church teaches to anyone who has read and carefully studied the epistle to the Hebrews it's unnecessary to prove how entirely contrary to the scripture that this Roman teaching is. I will only quote the following text Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many who needed not daily, who needed not daily, as those high priests offered up sacrifice for his own sin, and then for the sins of the people, for this he did once when he offered himself up, nor yet the people, for the, this he did once when he offered himself, not yet that he should offer himself often, as the Roman Catholics teach. As the high priest enters into the whole place every year with the blood of others. Then he must have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now is offered now once um, in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And this was in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 and Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27. And Hebrews chapter 9 verse 25 to 26. It is very clear that the scripture that our Lord was making that the Lord's Supper was figurative and symbolic representation of his death and resurrection and nothing more than that. Um, so what we see is um, a direct violation of the gospel. It nullifies the gospel and it contradicts the scriptures in reference to what Hebrews teaches. And you find this even in Hebrews chapter 10 um, Christ died to end all sacrifices there was no more to offer apart from the one that he did which was once and for all and like he said it is finished and that was the only means that we can receive atonement and it was through this one act there was nothing more than that there was no more to add uh, but Rome clearly says it's not enough not sufficient and there's a lot there's more to it Anyway, we're coming up to the half hour mark. Appreciate you for listening and uh, please come back to us. I will be covering on the um, 
uh, the issue of the Immaculate Conception in in the next half hour in the study because we're coming up to the sum up of the uh, to sum up what the the mass represents. God bless you. Please um, bear with us. Um, before I want to sum up, um, it was a book called uh, Modern Romanism Examined, and in this book it talks about how Mary is in the Catholic Mass, the Eucharist. And it says, such is the extravagance to which this novel, do novel doctrine is being carried that a Roman writer maintains the a presence of Mary in the Eucharist, and that the blood of the Lord and the flesh of his virgin mother are both present in the sacrament. We are as much inclined to believe the essential co-presence of Mary in her whole person with the body and the soul under the sacred species. Another writer affirms, as often as we eat the flesh of Christ in the Eucharist, so often as we do it really eat the flesh of the Blessed Virgin. And then we daily hunger for the flesh of Christ, so too we hunger for the flesh of the Blessed Virgin, that we may drink her endowments and ways and incorporate them in ourselves. And so another very popular author, Faber, writes, he's a Catholic theologian, he writes, There is some portion of the precious blood which was once was Mary's own blood and which remains still in our Blessed Lord. And at this moment in heaven, he retains something which was once his mother's, his mother's and which is uh, possibly visible as such to the saints and angels. Um, at the Mass, uh, he, he shows this in the Mass, apparently, and this was to show that Saint Ignatius states the very part of the host which had once belonged to the substance of Mary. Now there's a, a book written about Mary Altry by uh, Oswald and this was quoted by Dr. Pulsey in his uh, in his book and this was on page 170 it says page 231 Surely the visions, um, ecstasis and superstition have last reached their extreme limit. It seems impossible for the imagination and invention to proceed fur further. No wonder that men become unbelievers when such perversions of Christianity are taught. It is little less than the inventions of another gospel revealed neither by apostle nor by an angel from heaven, but an awful superstitious endeavour to represent the life and the reign of the Virgin Mary as corresponding and equivalent in the life and, and rand of our adorable Redeemer, deity alone accepted, by placing the teaching of Scripture with regards to our Lord and the unfounded claims of the Virgin Mary 
in parallel in parallel with being immediately apparent. It has been seen once uh, that every title and office which many circumstances in personal history belong to Christ exclusively are attributed to Mary so that she appears as an equal or rival in the work of man's salvation. Now there are clear examples between the two. I don't want to go too much into this because that's another study about Mariolatry but I'll give you one or two examples. You find Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 14 verse 15 was tempted when he went off, he bapti- John baptized him, went off into the wilderness and he was tempted in all points and yet he did not sin. The Virgin Mary, um, according to the papal decree, states she is immaculate, preserved free from all uh, stain of original sin. Now in Acts, uh, we don't find that anywhere in the Bible, but in Acts uh, chapter 2 verse 31, Jesus Christ, for see- seeing that he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, neither was he left in hell, Hades, neither did his flesh see corruption. Uh, the body of Mary, according to the, the Vatican, um, in the grave only for three days and saw no corruption, a legend from the 4th century, first declared by Rome to be uh, heretical and accepted in later in the 6th century. So originally they threw that out and then in the 6th century they brought in the accepted. So they, even though it was disregarded as heresy, they uh, succumbed to their own heretical teachings. Um, anyway, um, uh, I want to sum up on um, the Eucharist. Um, there was just that point I want to make about Mary being the, the Mass, which is clearly uh, an abomination. It blasphemes um, what Christ did, it nullifies the Gospel, and it's taking moving people and putting their faith and trust in a system of works rather than faith that justifies you alone if you trust in wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ and not the works of men or priests or any popes. To sum up, the Eucharist, the Mass, is not uh, a repetition of Calvary. Jesus died once and for all, and all people are free to enter into that one all, once all-sufficient sacrifice by grace. The Eucharist is not a means by which we receive the grace of God unto salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith alone without the need for sacraments. Jesus died on the cross as an atonement for all sin. Thus, there is no such thing as mortal and venial sins. All sin leads to death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Um, Jesus will come again to bring judgment against all manner of abominations committed by men. The necessity of empowering of the Holy Spirit to lead a whole life so that we may refuse to um, compromise with the doctrines of devils promoted by the Vatican as commanded by the Holy Spirit by Paul. Our respect for and obedience to the teaching and the authority um, if for example they were 
teaching uh, to be obedient to the authority of Christ um, as directed by the apostles unless that obedience goes against one's conscience as enlightened by scripture and church teaching then we're not required to obey any pope any priest etc now the biblical um, evangel evangelical would never submit to any authority whether it be pope or priest that declare themselves to be in the place of christ so that he calls himself vicarious christi there is only one vicar christ the holy spirit every dogma prescribed by rome is unbiblical and contrary to the revealed word of god the biblical evangel evangelical surrenders his or her conscience to the word of god as john Knox stated to mary queen of scots when she said that my conscience is not so john Knox replied conscience madam requireth knowledge and i fear that the right um i fear that right knowledge you have none subsequent bishops of rome in their zeal for temporal power and their greed for earthly treasures sought to christianize the pagans rather than christianize um, the pagans that they only succeeded in paganizing the christian church the vatican has been the inhabitation of devils and holds to every foul spirit a moral sewer out of which has proceeded every form of abomination imaginable rome has been the house of sexual and spiritual adultery blessed assurance that god has no love for such a body why would anyone truly filled with the spirit of god seek to justify and remain to join and remain joined to this queen of harlotry how does god measure whom he loves who loves him and who doesn't in john chapter 14 verse 21 and 24 it says he that have my commandments and keep them he it is that love me and he that love me shall be loved by my father and i will love him and will manifest my love to him he that love me and not keep my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the father which sent me the commandments given to us include first corinthians chapter 7 verse 14 wherefore my dearly beloved flee from idolatry ephesians chapter 5 11 says but now i've written to you not to keep company if any man is called a brother to be a fornicator a covetous an idolater or railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with one such with such do not eat in the case of the catholic church this doesn't apply because you cannot consider anyone who actually believes salvation through justification in the sacraments which saves you can be clearly saved or let alone your brother or sister in in the in the lord it's a certain that the roman catholic church does not only practice idolatry but idolatry is also promoted by this church by this sacrament you cannot be a biblical christian and remain a roman catholic in revelations chapter 18 verse 4 it says i heard another voice from heaven saying 
command of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. So I believe this harlot called Rome is uh, one that I believe many Catholics really come out of. As we see recently, the um, we know that this is to be true, that the church realm cannot be truly Christian, cannot be of God, simply for one, the um, cover-up of the child abuse cases. You know, if, it, if the church was pure and holy, uh, it wouldn't be doing such crimes as sexually, uh, the sexual molestation of children. You've got the uh, cases in Spain where uh, babies were known to be kidnapped from their mothers. These are newborn babies and they were sold to foster parents under false names um, by the Catholic priests. Um, you could go on YouTube and you can actually look at this. There were cases in the UK where that has been going on. And now you find that um, quite a lot of people that grew up not knowing who their biological parents are. Very rare that they find them, but there are DNA tests that they go through in order to find out who their natural uh, mother and their natural father has been. Um, then you've got the murder of countless of ten, uh, more than 200,000 uh, people were killed by the Catholic Church um, in during the time of the Reformation. Uh, why would you want to, as present evangelicals, why would we ever consider this church to be Christian? Why would we would ever want to be in fellowship with them for a start? I'd rather see you go out and witnessing to Rome Catholic because they don't actually have a gospel. Uh, when I ran around asking Catholics, what is your gospel? They said, well, it's just Jesus, and they couldn't really explain it to me. Uh, which tells me that Rome really doesn't have a gospel, but rather attack the gospel through these main, uh, mainly through its traditions that it's held to and put many under bondage uh, too. Um, anyway, um, there was a... Uh, thing that I wanted to cover on which is on the next study and it poses the question is Mary immaculate because the reason why it's an important one is because in the minds of the majority of Catholics they believe that Mary is immaculate because she is without sin now we're going to examine this closely by the claims that the Pope's through history has, has made and so by doing so we ought to examine these claims and see if they not only line up with scripture but the the actual evidence behind these claims is it something they believe in because uh, they believe it agrees with scripture or mainly because the priest or the Vatican tells them so they just blindly accept it even though I know there's there's a lot of blind faith in in the church of Rome people aren't really questioning uh, what the Church of Rome is teaching and whether that lines up with the Word of God. Even though they're encouraged to read the Bible, um, they are told they don't have the means necessary to interpret Scripture and so they have to rely on the Word of the Priest. Um, so, what this really does 
it's to question this dogma and this was something that was part of uh, a document called uh, an article of faith and this was by Pope Pius um, but the question is not whether we agree with the dogma does this dogma agree with scripture so you uh, the question in that is if you're a Roman Catholic what is your authority the Pope or the Bible for us it's the Bible and so we align everything up with the Word of God to see if it agrees and the Bible is our authority not the Pope and in this we set out to examine this dogma to question the validity of its claims that this dogma makes now when Pope Pius was speaking on the subject of ex cathedra now the word ex cathedra is a Latin term it means infallibility he acted on his own authority and we know this through history as many popes have done the same now getting onto the book Modern Romanism it's, it covers on quite a big area and to do with Catholic issues around doctrine around dogmas etc now on page uh, 246 it says on December uh, the 8th of December 1854 on the following terms by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blessed apostles Peter and Paul and then it says I'm going to emphasize this a little bit the Pope has the audacity to say by our own authority we declare pronounce and define they declare they announce and they define the doctrine which holds to the most blessed virgin not the Bible but man um, in the first instance of her conception by spiritual grace and privilege of mighty God who views the merits of the Lord of, the, of Jesus Christ the Saviour of mankind was preserved free from the stain of original sin and has been revealed by God and therefore is to be firmly instead fastly believed by all the faithful and what it means by the faithful are the Roman Catholics um, this was explained further by the Vatican expounded by the words of Pope Pius um, he says the apostolic constitution of the uh, I can't read the Latin I'm, I do apologize but I think it says munificentismus deus defining the dogma of the assumption November 1st 1950 you can read this on the Vatican's website if you go to Vatican.va um, there's a direct quote from there um, they say pay, uh, we rejoice greatly that the solemn event falls according to the design of God's providence during this holy year so that we're able with the great jubilee is being observed and adorned of the brow of the God's virgin mother which is this brilliant gem and to leave a monument therefore enduring them uh, bronze of a most fervent love of the mother of God for which reason after we pour forth prayers of supplication again and again to God we have evoked the spirit of truth for the God of glory 
of Almighty God, sorry, for the glory of Almighty God, which has lavished his special affection upon the Virgin Mary for the honour of her son, immortal King of Ages, the vicar over sin, the victor over sin and death, for the increase of the glory of the same again, um, August Mother, for the joy and exaltation of the entire church and the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blessed apostles Peter and Paul by and it says again by our own authority we pronounce declare and define it to be a um, to be divinely uh, revealed dogma that the Immaculate Mother of God the ever virgin mother, mother having complete of the course of her earthly life was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory she didn't die she had her ascension she um basically was raptured you know went up to be with with god so they say hence if anyone which god forbid should dare willingly to deny or call into doubt that which we have defined let him know that he has fallen away completely from the divine and catholic faith sounds like a threat from the pope in other words if you don't agree you don't accept what the pope tells you based on his word what he says a man of human being he says forget it you've had it you've completely fallen away from god and the Catholic faith. And they say well the Catholic faith is true faith. It's nonsense. So Rome's defiance. And curse upon those who reject the authority of the Pope. Would suffer torment and hell. For his or her rejection. Of the Pope's authority on matters of dogma. This plainly points out that Mary is. Innocent from all sin. And has never had original sin. And this teaching is clearly rejected in the Bible as we read in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. But we know from history the subject of the dogma has been debated between the Dominican Catholics and the Order of Assisi. And these are the Franciscans. You know the ones that wear the brown the brown habits um, that go around doing charitable works. Um, so initially opposed to the Dominicans, the Franciscans argued on the Immaculate Concept. Uh, conception's behalf for a while and a great debate regarding the, the uh, about the doctrine the council of uh, Basel in 1439 affirmed that the immaculate conception was pi a pious belief in accordance with the catholic faith before that time it was never something that was taught in the primitive church it would appear that rome was being more superstitious omitting these statements by its own authority not God, through the Holy Scriptures themselves, this later became a tool that developed into Mariolatry. The dogma of the accurate conception is obligatory to believe, and upon reflection of this, will result in your soul being condemned. So, they say it's obligatory to believe upon this. So, Roman Catholics cannot pick and choose what they want to believe and what they're saying is if they don't accept this then you're outside the church you've rejected uh, the the faith you put yourself in outside of salvation because you've rejected the divinity of God
Um, now, there was a book called Modern Romanism Examined, and this was, again, the uh, same book quotes when we were examining the, the Catholic Mass, and it was uh, published in May 1927, on page 237. Wherefore, he says, If any should presume, which may God avert, to think in their heart otherwise, than has been defined by us, the Pope, let them know and moreover, uh, moreover understand that they are condemned by their own judgment, that they may shipwrecked as regards to the faith, and have fallen away from the unity of the church. The plain meaning of this definition is that Mary was born miraculously, that she never had original sin, or tainted of man's fallen nature. She never committed actual sin, that her death was a result of the law of sin in herself. But the result of general law of death in humanity, a solitary exception, neither mentioned or suggested nor hinted at to the law laid down by St. Paul in Romans chapter, in Romans, um, in the book of Romans he says, by one man's sin has entered into the world, and by sin, death, and so death passes upon all men, in whom all have sinned. This teaching has not been proclaimed by the authority of Pope Pius. This dogma is false, and dangerous as it same Mary is central to our salvation, and is opposed to the uh, and is opposed to the following scriptures for the following reasons. Um, that this doctrine contradicts the express biblical teaching that is Christ alone who is without sin. In Second Corinthians chapter five verse two, in First Peter chapter two verse twenty two, in First John chapter three verse five, and in Philippians chapter two verse five to eight. It supposes that the creation of one uh, neither strictly human nor divine and they call this su uh, generis is Latin for its own kind genus or unique in its characteristics it interferes uh, with with the reality of the incarnation since this doctrine Christ did not partake of that human nature he came to redeem it passes away Christ's glory in the miracle of the incarnation by conferring a portion of it upon Mary I'm going to continue the uh, study I'd like to um, in the next part we're, we're in 26 minutes into the um, second part of this uh, study um, to sum up what we just read if the Church of Rome is forcing and obliging Catholics to believe this as essential for salvation what this really emphasizes is that Roman Catholics who remain in the Catholic Church who may believe that which some do have done Jesus alone is sufficient for salvation but attributes all these other teachings to 
um, genuine faith then really they're counselling out the first in order that they may hold on to these traditions now um, there was a scripture that talks about you know those that hold on to vain worship um, rather than um, appealing to the commandments of God they prefer tradition but the Bible calls this vanity or vain worship because it's putting people in bondage to a system that don't really have a relationship with our Lord nor do they really know him to most Catholics they don't even believe they are born again or spirit filled so they're reliant upon their religion in order to save them in order to make them accepted by God and for them it's it's an insurance policy into heaven anyway I'm going to continue the study of the immaculate is Mary immaculate um, it's asking the question in the next show um, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, Mary Naffa God bless you